Hey everyone, welcome to this bonus episode of the Coast to Coast Podcast. It is just going to be me, Kyle, today. Um, But I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about what's happening in the box office this weekend. So 2020 has definitely spit out a number of horror misfires so far, and most of these titles won't be remembered come June. Fantasy Island, The Grudge, The Turning, Gretel and Hansel, and and even Brahms The Boy 2. Elizabeth Moss producer Jason Blumhouse and writer-director Lee Wannell, however, have finally delivered the first huge horror hit of 2020 with The Invisible Man. Um, the pick from Universal earned a whopping $28.9 million this weekend on only $7 million price tag, so it is already well into profitability. It also added $20 million overseas to bring its opening weekend total to around $50 million globally. For comparison's sake, remember when Universal attempted to launch the Dark Trilogy, beginning with Tom Cruise's The Mummy? Uh, that movie earned $2 million more than The Invisible Man in its opening weekend, but it cost around $150 million more to produce. The Invisible Man is also playing more like a thriller than a horror movie, meaning uh, it is not completely front-loaded with a B-plus cinema score, which is very good for a horror film. And even very good reviews, I think 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a chance to play kind of like a split or an us over the coming weeks. And like the latter, combines big scares with pressing social commentary. And it should have a couple of weeks of runway as as um, before The Hunt comes out in two weeks. And the A Quiet Place sequel arrives on March 20th. Um, Sony Pictures and TV Fun Animation's My Hero Academia Heroes Rising, which is a Japanese anime superhero film based on a popular manga series, also opened this weekend. It took fourth place with an impressive 6.2 million over three days and 9.5 million since it opened on Wednesday. And I haven't really been this surprised about a movie I've never heard of breaking into the top 10 probably since the last time an anime film unexpectedly broke into the top 10. Um, Likewise, Impractical Jokers, another movie with little promotion based on the popular true TV series, uh, expanded from 357 theaters to 1,820 theaters. And it earned another 2.8 million to bring its two-week total to 5.9 million, um, which is pretty impressive. And everything else this weekend was pretty much a holdover. Sonic the Hedgehog continues to crush it, earning another 16 million in its third weekend to bring its total to 128 million. It's earned about the same amount overseas, all in all. Um, I think out of the 85 million dollar budget. Um, there will most almost certainly be a sequel. Call of the Wild earned 12.8 million to bring its 10-day total to 48 million, which would be great if the budget for the film were a modest 60 million. Um, instead, 20th Century inexplicably spent 125 million on it, so uh, 48 million puts it solidly in the red. And with 4.3 million bad boys for life has now earned 197 million and is poised to cross that 20 million mark this week. Birds of prey is I think fading much faster than DC had hoped earning 3.9 million in its fourth weekend to bring its total to 78.5 million for comparison's sake. Green lantern 
earned about 109 after four weeks. Brahms Boy 2 earned 2.63 in its second weekend to bring its total to 9.7 million, uh, which isn't great, but for the fact that STX Films only invested 2.5 million in the Kate Holmes horror flick, it's not too bad. And now that Knives Out and Jumanji have finally vacated the top 10, 1917 has the distinction of being the longest running film in the top 10. Uh, in its 10th week, it earned 2.5 million, which brings its total to 155 million. And finally, Fantasy Island clings to the bottom rung of the top 10 with 2.2 million and 23.9 million overall. But like The Invisible Man, it only costs $7 million to produce. And that's pretty much the genius of Jason Bloomberg. Even its underperformers turns a profit. Um, while movies like The Invisible Man can pay for a whole slate of horror flicks for a year. And I kind of wanted to touch on The Invisible Man a little bit because I saw this movie this weekend. And it's the most remarkable thing about The Invisible Man is that a lot of it seems real and not the high tech suit that makes Adrian Griffin invisible, but pretty much every word that comes from Elizabeth Moss's Cecilia seems real. It sounds like stories we've all heard before about abusive relationships. And unfortunately what she's told in response sounds all too familiar too. Cecilia knows what's happening. She knows she's being stalked, but everyone tells her she's the crazy one. And that's all in her head that nothing bad is going to happen as more and more bad things happen. What makes the invisible man interesting is that the invisible man himself is almost inconsequential to the story. Not Adrian per se in the film. Adrian is He's a man who fakes his own death so that he could use an invisible suit to stalk his former lover. But the fact that he has a suit that makes him invisible is what is interesting. The trick the film uses is that many men have instilled the same fear, abuse, and paranoia into women without the use of any kind of invisible suit. It's such a movie about a woman being gaslighted it doesn't even try to play cute with that notion you know make it vague enough until a film scholar of some sort points it out the invisible man just owns the fact that this is literally what the whole movie is about and is better off for it and making cecilia the main character is a smart move another smart move is avoiding any kind of creepy gross connotations that seem to come with the movie's about men who are invisible or have some sort of supernatural power that allows them just to do anything they want to a woman. Or at least that was the direction a lot of movies liked to go in. Thankfully, here, instead, Adrian's terror relies more on things like framing Cecilia for crimes and just generally making her feel like she's the crazy one. And I've kind of given up on my stance against jump scares, and this has a few that feel needless, but the story is so good on its own. Um, But at the same time, I understand that people like them, and if it gets more people to see a well-thought-out horror concept, then so be it. And definitely being a Bloomhouse production, of course, this movie will have jump scares. And at the same time, 
you know, it's hard to argue with their success. But the backbone of The Invisible Man is its story. And it's a story that seems real and modern and necessary, which is something I never thought I'd write about a movie called The Invisible Man or discuss on the podcast. And now we can only hope that the next round of monster movies are as clever and in the moment as much as this one. So I hope you guys like this quick little episode. Um, Misha's been doing some moving. He's moving into a new home. So we've kind of been on the downside right now when it comes to content. We apologize for that. Um, We are going to probably do a special episode for hitting 2,000 total listens. Um, Might have some giveaways there. Might have some people come on the podcast as guests, kind of talk about about the show, what they like. Um, So stay tuned for that. You can always find us again on Twitter at C2C Podcasting. You can message us on Anchor. Don't forget to leave without leaving um, a review, some sort of comment if you like. Definitely share this on your social media. That's the best way that we can output to other people. So again, thanks for hanging out. We'll talk at you next time.